Welcome to the Cannabis Cultivation and Science Podcast. I'm your host, Tad Hussey of Kiss Organics. This is the podcast where we discuss the cutting edge of growing from a science-based perspective and draw on top experts from around the industry to share their wisdom and knowledge. This episode is a bit different. I didn't know what to do for our 100th episode, and my friend Suzanne, who you all know as the bug lady, convinced me to let her flip the tables and interview me to share a bit more about myself, how this podcast came to be, and some of what I've learned from my amazing guests I've had the privilege of interviewing over the past four years. When I first started the podcast, I really didn't know if anyone would tune in to listen. As of writing this introduction, we are at almost 2 million unique downloads of the podcast since we launched. I'm grateful to all the folks who have reached out and shared their success stories or how something they learned on the podcast has improved their growing. That's really what this is all about. Since the beginning, I've avoided ads and sponsors because I wanted to keep the podcast accessible and free. If you want to support us, please consider going to kissorganics.com and check out our growing list of products ranging from soils and amendments to beneficial insects or reaching out for any consulting needs. That's what allows us to keep the podcast going. Anyway, enough on that. Let's get on with the show. I'm super excited to be here with you, Tad, for this 100th episode because I absolutely love your podcast. And... I have to say, I did nag Tad about this a little bit um, because he wasn't exactly keen on doing this at first, but I really thought people would be interested in learning more about you because I think you're a super interesting and I, I, would, I would put you in the old souls category of people that I know. Um, I feel you're a very genuine, kind human being and I'm, I'm thrilled to call you a friend, and I just think the world would want to know more about you. Well, that's a very nice introduction, Suzanne. Thank you. Um, yeah, this was your idea, and want to do something different for the 100th, so uh, yeah, let's, let's go for it. See how it goes. All right. So, yes. So, I'm not going to ask you anything too crazy, um, but uh, we all know you as kind of like the soils guy, but uh, did you actually go to school? for this or did you do something different first? So I, I did not. I grew up with my parents owning a nursery and landscaping business. So been around plants my entire life. I was not interested in plants until later in life. Um, I got my undergrad degree at the University of Washington um, after transferring from Gonzaga with a degree in anthropology and a minor in English. And then I went on and got a master's degree in, at Macquarie University in Australia in special education. And so I don't really have any degrees related to horticulture or agriculture. Um, it's all been sort of self-taught through the industry and reading and, and things like that. But I will say that having a master's degree uh, was really, really helpful in learning how to read and understand uh, scientific journals and and the statistics and what research is actually saying. Well, I think understanding education and how to teach um, also has made you able to teach people. And, you know, this is what you're doing through your podcast and through talks you give and, and conversations is you are teaching people and being able to communicate that valuable information is super important because people can be super smart, but if you can't communicate it, um, it makes it very challenging to get that information out. You know, I just feel lucky that I have this platform where that um, allows me to get some really great guests that are, you know, amazing experts in their field. And uh, I just get to ask them the questions that I think hopefully every grower is thinking as the person's talking. Those are the kind of questions that I want to try and pull out of them um, and make this information more accessible. So that's really the goal of the mm-hmm. podcast. Well, okay, so you graduate, you know, you're thinking you're probably going to be a teacher, but when I meet you, you're a soils guy. How did you get from thinking about being an educator into soils? (laughs) See, I haven't heard your question, so this is all, um, (laughs) I didn't know where this interview was going. Um, Yeah, so basically I came back with a special ed degree and um, wasn't able to use it in the United States without going back to school. 
And frankly, that's a, it's a really tough career. I worked in special education for a while and it's, it's really easy to get burned out. It's, it's exhausting. Um, very important. I have a lot of respect for people who do it. Um, but at, at the time my parents were shutting down their nursery, their plant nursery. And, um, my dad had started a compost tea business. And so at that point, um, I was looking for jobs in other fields and I wasn't having much success finding something I enjoyed. I was actually working at Red Robin as a server for quite a while. Um, and then uh, I got involved with uh, my dad's business and I started learning all about what he was doing with compost tea. And the really interesting part for me was the microscopy and uh, the, micro the microbes and that sort of thing. And so I started learning more about that and it just kind of kept expanding into soils and minerals and you know, other aspects of, uh, I guess, fertility around, around plants. So how long have you had, uh, your company? Well, I didn't officially own it until about two years ago. Um, I've been running it since, oh boy, 2006, I would say. Uh, so quite a while, but my parents owned it up until a couple of years ago when um, they finally sold it to me. Uh, but the whole time we had the farm and starting Kiss Organics and everything, um, I was running the business, but my parents officially owned it. Well, that's, that's a nice transition because um, it's always nice to have like a legacy um, to pass on to your children because you see sometimes great businesses and the children aren't interested and the businesses end up folding, and you, I always feel like we're losing a piece of history. So that makes me very happy that, you know, it's able to continue on for another generation, and you're doing such a, a great job with it. So, um, but like with your customer base, who's your furthest customer that you guys ship to or work with? Uh, you know, currently if we work with some people in Maine. That seems pretty far away from us here in Washington State. Uh, one of our largest customers for a while was in Puerto Rico um, until freight got too ridiculous um, to be able to ship to them. But um, yeah, we work with people all around, all around the country. Um, ideally, we try to find people more locally to work with just because of the you know, sustainability of, of shipping material around the country. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess all over, really. Have you had a customer that the situation you deal with, they're dealing with um, was exceptionally challenging and it, 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 you were guys were able to like finally come to a resolution to, to help them out? Because I, I know I run into some really challenging problems. It's always very satisfying at the end of the day when you can help them. Yeah, actually, you know one of those people. Um, so we do, we do some consulting on the side. In fact... Um, one of them originally was a consulting agreement was with uh, Mike over at Minecraft Cannabis. And he was dealing with a lot of these challenges. We finally were able to sort some things out um, and, and come to a resolution to where now if you go check out his page, you can see he's, he's an excellent grower. But what he was dealing with was, was a starting uh, soil material that was excessively high in nitrates and just very unbalanced. And it took us a little while to figure out what was going on. Uh, before we were able to solve it. But once we did, um, he's just been off and running ever since. Yeah, he's, I've, I've been up to his facility, and I will have to say I just finished up my bag. He brought me a bag of chocolate-covered almonds from L.L. Bean when I saw him a couple weeks ago in Ohio, and I just finished them up. They were tasty. Thanks, Mike, because I know Mike's going to listen to this. Yeah, he's um, a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um, he, he really is. Okay. So you're being successful, you're doing soils, but all of a sudden, how do you end up having this, I don't want to say a media empire, but I feel like you're on your way to having a media empire, to having this amazing podcast that um, everybody listens to. Oh man, I think you're giving uh, a little, us a little too much credit. I really feel like we're the smallest guys in the, the smallest fish in the pond. Um, the podcast has been great, you know, and... Uh, I'm very grateful for it, but you know, we're, we're not a large business. There's six of us total at Kiss Organics. Uh, you know, we were larger when I had the farm and feed store and all of that, but, um, we've really leaned down to just a really a core group of awesome folks. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really pretty small. 
Remember, I'm a company of one, so you're a big company to me. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, we we work with we partnered with a soil mix, mixing facility about ten years ago, and it's been the best relationship. Um, they're really close to us. They do an awesome job. Um, and I, I love working with them, but it gives us the infrastructure and capability to be able to mix at scale to mix, you know, a thousand yards if we need to, uh, really quickly and have control over the operations without having all of the infra infrastructure cost of setting up an entire facility like that. So, um, they've been wonderful to work with and it's really allowed us to sort of focus our energies, not on the the day-to-day -day production side, but really on customer service and helping folks, um, you know, on that end of things and, and really dialing in the fertility side of the, the science side of everything, which is the fun part for me. Right. But still, how'd you end up with the podcast? So the podcast was because I, uh, oh boy, this was back in like 2008, 2009, I want to say. Um, Whenever I first met my, my dear friend, Jaya Palmer, uh, I, I was learning about all this stuff and I, I was having trouble finding good information. Um, having come out of, you know, sort of that nursery side of things and horticulture, it was just so different than what I was learning um, in the forums, you know, reading about cannabis. And the, the two were just so completely different that I really wanted to try and like, marry the two in some way. And, and so I was like, okay, I want to, I want to eventually like write a book from everything I've learned and, um, share, share that information. And then I realized like, as I was doing this, I was like, I don't really want to write a book. No one reads books anymore. Um, podcasts were becoming a thing. And frankly, like if I did write a book, I didn't, you know, I, I battle with imposter syndrome a lot. You and I've talked about this and the idea of trying, like, I would want to have people come in and write chapters for me because they know a subject so much better than me. And as I was thinking more and more about it and I actually have some chapters that I've written out that I've turned into blogs on our, uh, on our website. But I was like, I know people like Jeff Lowenfels and, um, at the time, you know, Clackamas Cood or, or these people that other growers want to hear from, you know, why not create a platform where I can just interview them and let them speak to what it is that you know, they do and what people want to hear about. And as the podcast has grown, I've, it's kind of been a lot of like word of mouth from my guests and kind of putting me in touch with more and more people. And so it's gotten, I think more scientific, um, as I've gone along. And so, you know, I get podcast requests every, every week from people wanting to come on the podcast and I really now only, I only take on new guests from people that have, are, like know someone that was already a guest and, and like you've been one of the main people who have helped me in sourcing a lot of these guests actually. So that's been great. Um, but that's, that's where it started wanting to like kind of combine and bridge the gap between, you know, horticulture and what was going on in the cannabis industry. And now there's just so much more information out there. It's a lot easier to get access to good information. So people ask to be on your podcast. I didn't know that was a thing because I've never gone to somebody and said, hey, I want to be on your podcast. I didn't know we were supposed to do that. I thought we were supposed to be asked to be on podcasts. Well, you know, a lot of people work with marketing firms and those marketing firms will reach out and email you and say, hey, here's my, they're the CEO of so-and-so and they make, you know, rolling papers. They have the highest, best technology in rolling papers. I'm like, this has nothing to do with cultivation. I'm not, you know, I'm not really interested, but I get, I get them all the time. Yeah. Oh, so I need to hire a marketing firm for me. <laughs> you probably is what should. You're saying. You probably should. Oh gosh. Uh, so um, I know um, from hearing your amazing, amazing talk you did a couple years ago at the Biocontrol Conference um, that you have worked hard to build a very scientific platform on this. And, you know, I, I was totally blown away by your presentation and you talking about um, your transition on, I don't want to say learning science, because, I mean, I think you know science, um, but just on becoming more of a critical thinker about science. And, uh, you know, with doing that, are there things that you are doing today to help improve? I, I mean, like, how do you make yourself smarter? Well, we, 
we try to be science-based. We try. We're not perfect, um, but we we really try. And it, I feel like science is such a polarizing word these days. Some people think it's it's good. Some people think it's bad. At the end of the day, it's it's agnostic. Like it's just this idea of applying a way of thinking um, to come to a conclusion. And um, you know, the thing that kills me about the cannabis industry is there's just such a there's such a mix between marketing hype and science and it gets it gets very very murky and it's hard to determine um as a as a grower or as an end user like what what i'm really need to grow a healthy plant and then um how to go about finding those things and so we we try to do that but i'll be honest like it i mean my talk was basically like how to try and see through some of the marketing hype but it drives me it drives me crazy when i go online and see the ads or what people are saying and the claims around some of these products that i that i know are not accurate and yet you know they're they're selling millions of dollars of these products and uh, it is what it is that's probably why we get along so well tad because i feel your pain every day on that um not, same same kind of challenges um but with your podcast, um, what has been like, what are your favorite episodes and favorite topics that you've done? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of great ones. Um, I enjoyed my interviews with you, obviously. Um, I, I think learning about something that I don't know a lot about, which is bugs. I mean, I'm learning. I'm definitely learned a lot more about insects from talking to you uh, over the years. And now working with BioBee, I'm learning even more. I have to because um, now that we're you know offering bugs to customers, that's been something. And I'm not the main person on that. Like we have Brandon, who's really been spearheading that for us, and he's been great. But I'm I'm learning more as as customers are asking questions. Um, I'm listening in on the answers, and so that's been really great. Uh, my other favorite po podcasts, I I really like the one with Dr. Yoram Kapolnik on mycorrhizal fungus. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, my recent one with uh, Dr. Wendy Zellner on silicon. I, I've been looking for someone to explain silicon for years, and she was fabulous. Um, I, re I would recommend that podcast to everyone. Uh, the one with like my mentor on the horticulture side, uh, Don Marshall, I really enjoy, um, and just the way he looks at plants. And then uh, I did one with uh, my good friend Justin McGill, uh, Dr. Ben Higgins, you know, talking to like growers and facilities. Those were really popular. And then lastly, um, I just went back about two weeks ago and re-listened to my podcast with uh, Jaya Palmer. Um, he passed away last year and that was really hard, but um, being able to hear his voice again was really, really special for me. And so knowing that that's preserved and people can hear him, that, that meant a lot to me too. So those are my favorites. Well, I'm very sorry about losing your friend. I, I, I you know, it, it, it's tough. Sometimes, you know, life's just not fair, you know, but yeah, it's just, great that on that note, I just want to say, you know, if you have someone out there that's struggling with addiction, like, uh, please reach out to them and, and, and be a resource for them and realize too, that when you see people that are, you know, struggling or down and out, like know that they're, they're, they're human and, they're passionate and intelligent and creative and loved. Like uh, sometimes it's easy to just walk by and see, you know, cause you see addiction everywhere, unfortunately these days. And uh, it's, it's hard to have compassion for that. And I just, I just want to mention that because uh, Jaya was a really special guy, but he was very like neurodivergent. And I don't think, um, I don't think the world is really the, the kindest place to him. And so, uh, yeah, I know it's off topic, but I just want to throw that out there. Well, but I mean, it's a good message in today's day and age. And, you know, what a great gift you have given the world by preserving that interview with him because it's preserved forever now and it will be available forever out there. So, uh, yeah. see, this is why I like you. He's, he's the big reason that we have Kiss Organics in terms of the soil. Like, he, he came over when I was working out of my dad's garage, literally mixing soil on a tarp. Because uh, he wanted to grab some compost tea supplies, and uh, I was like, "Here, you know, take some soil back," because he was running a bottled nutrient program at the time, 
And I was like, just try it out. And he came back, you know, a couple months later telling me how wonderful it was. And from there I was, we kind of like worked together to try and like formulate this soil mix and, you know, try it in different size containers and different methods. And, and he was the one that really pushed this all forward. Um, so I'm eternally grateful for him. Like Kiss Organics probably wouldn't exist if it weren't for Jaya. Well, on a more interesting, let's move forward. Um, if you could have anybody alive or gone, you know, if you wanted Thomas Jefferson, who would be the one person, your dream guest of all time to have on the show? Well, I've thought about this, not from that perspective, but uh, the people that I would love to get eventually on the podcast, uh, Paul Stamets, I would love to have him come on and talk about fungus just in general. I think he's so fascinating. Um, I also think Michael Pollan would be really interesting because of, I've read all of his books and some of his things around plants I think is really great too. Um, so those would probably be the first two that come to mind for me in terms of like famous people that I don't have access to that I would love to get on the podcast someday. Yeah, no, both of those would be amazing because I've read uh, Michael's books too, which, you know, with all the plant history and everything, but also Paul Samet's you know, I'm, you know, being a Star Trek fan and they have, you know, Paul Stamets is now on Star Trek, you know, doing the mycelia web and how they tied that all in, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger fan because of the Star Trek tie in now, but, um, yeah, those would be two very interesting people to hear. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, with the podcast being part of social media, um, cause it kind of all, I don't want to say it all ties in together. But, you know, go into social media for advice on growing, Tad. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because nowadays we don't have as much connection and social media really is that tool for connection in a lot of ways. Um, so in, in some ways I think it's great. In other ways I think it's awful. Um, in terms of advice for plants, I don't think that's the best tool. You know, interestingly enough, we've been posting um, every Tuesday a weekly plant trivia photo or video, and folks are, you know, able to kind of guess at what they think is going on. And it's all in good fun. But when you look at the answers, you can see how much it varies, you know, and if it's an insect, it can be in anywhere from spider mites to thrips to aphids, you know, people are all over the place. Or if you post a, you know, a photo of a leaf, people are like, oh, that's a phosphorus deficiency or magnesium or calcium or, you know, pretty much anything you can imagine. And it just shows how hard it is to one, even diagnose something from a photo, but two, get like consistent advice. Um, usually it's not enough information. Um, you can't put enough information in your post for someone to give you a very good answer. And a lot of times, like even you know, trying to diagnose something rem remotely as a consultant, I think is really challenging because uh, you almost have to walk into the room and see everything that's going on. Cause you may spot something out of the corner of your eye and be like, Oh, well, this is, this isn't right. And this might be what's causing this problem over here. Um, so it's, I, I think it's very tough. I back you up 100% on that as being a consultant. And I mean, I am not a miracle worker. <laughs> when it comes to diagnosing problems from bad pictures. I try to be, but I'm not. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a challenge out there. And I, I, I mean, I think everything you're doing to try to put good information out um, is, is super helpful. And it, it, it's, it's very challenging, though, because, you know, you have a, a daily business to run and, you know, doing the podcast and then trying to keep up with all the social media stuff, Um can be um, very time consuming, um, but I do give you you credit for actually doing a good job for keeping up with it because you know I, I'm a little challenged sometimes with that. Um, on that, well, you know, you you and I have the same problem. Like, we have to be the marketing department and the social media department and the technical department and you know, all of these different things. And granted, I have more help than you do, but I, I will spend as much time with a person with two plants as I do with a person with a thousand plants. So we really do try and answer everyone. Um, if you send me a message uh, you know, through social media, I will answer it. Um, it may not always be like a super in-depth answer, but I always get back to everybody and, and really try my hardest to help as many people as we can. 
Well, I, again, I, you guys do a great job. Um, but with that, um, you know, thinking about the business, and there's a lot of stuff, you know, that is out of our control with our businesses that are affecting us. For the soil company, what, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges coming up for you guys? Oh, you know, it's been all over the board lately. I mean, over the last two years with everything with COVID and supply chain shortages, um, it's been getting things, material, uh, and then cost increases with inflation, and then um, freight. Freight's been the killer. Uh, it's been so hard to ship things because of the cost of freight lately. So that's probably our biggest challenge. Um, so we've been trying to uh, work on helping people source things locally you know, and, and making recommendations that allow them to do that. But even that's a little bit challenging because when we go to make a soil, we want to build it around the compost. And so if I don't know what your starting compost is or if it's not high quality, it makes it really challenging to build a soil and, and also build a safe product because we have to know the heavy metal levels um, now that we have heavy metal testing in a lot of states. And um, it's just, it's more complicated, I think, than people realize. And it takes a while. And and I've been looking into other options because we have people reach out and are like, hey, you know, I don't want to use anything um, that comes from the industrial you know, egg or slaughterhouses. I, I, I want to or anything from the ocean. You know, I want to be use vegan inputs or I want things that are more sustainable. And I want those things, too. It's a matter of figuring out how to maintain our fertility and our plant health. Because uh, I, I don't want to sacrifice those things either. So it's it's a balance because as we move, for example, phosphorus. The, the easiest sources of phosphorus are, are bone meal, fish bone meal, um, things like that. They're, they're cheap. They're, um, you know, relatively low in heavy metals, but they're not maybe not sourced from an industry. They're a waste product from an industry that maybe you don't want to support. So now we start looking into other things um, where you can get them like, for example, insect frass or some some uh, plant-based products that ha are higher in P, um, or even mined materials like um, soft rock phosphate. But now we're looking at heavy metal levels that may be higher than we want in order to get our phosphorus. So it, I guess it can be challenging. Like I've been trying to find replacements for peat, um, but I haven't found anything yet that I can effectively you know, I can put my Kiss Organics seal of approval or whatever on and say, you know, I can get the same level of growth or get near the same level of growth as I can using uh, peat moss in my mix. So it's a it's a constant thing. We've been working on this for years and I hope we get there, but it's been tough. Yeah, I, I've seen it with a lot of growers trialing all kinds of inputs who are just even conventional growers, not even to have the special niche and the standards you guys have, um, just trying to find a replacement for peat and, and trying to learn to grow in it. Um, and it's, it's been very challenging for the whole horticultural industry um, to, to find these replacements. But, you know, over time, you know, we'll get it worked out, but finding something that's sustainable is, is a big challenge. Um, that's the, uh, you know, that's, that's a hard one there. But it, it's, it's good to see that you guys are working to try to find solutions um, and not just sitting back and um, not trying to affect change. You know, you are trying to make a difference and trying to do the right thing by the environment and your customers, which is, which is very good. But go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, we are, we are trying. Our peat is sourced, you know, pretty local to where we mix it. So that helps quite a bit. And the sustainability thing, you know, it's tough because it depends on where you, where you're reading the, the science is, it appears to be pretty mixed on how sustainable peat is as a product. Um, I put together a blog post. Um, if you type in peat versus cocoa, I bet it'll just pop up in Google pretty high on the list or go to our blog page and type that in. Um, and you can see a more in-depth discussion that I have on it because there's really pros and cons to to both. Yes. Um, yes. It's more I, than we yeah. can get into here, but it's, yeah, uh, that's like a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's an interesting <laughs> topic, I guess. Um, but so, the idea is like too, like if we can get people to reuse that soil and not be adding more peat to it, you know, by managing it correctly, um, 
you know, we have some guys like Goldleaf now, I think they're like seven or eight years using the same soil that they, they got originally. That to me feels pretty darn sustainable uh, compared to even people that are in other media types that are, you know, having to throw out their soil every cycle and, and bring in new material. Um, I, I feel good about that. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, for the horticulture industry, the plants have to get sold and go to somebody's house, so they don't even have those options. Uh, yeah. They constantly have to be buying media. So it's, it's a challenge um, for sure, um, but it, it's interesting to hear everything that is happening um, in that area and see how things are going to end up. Um, but, you know, you mentioned, you know, as compost basically being the start of your soil. Um, and I know a lot of people that listen to your podcast are obviously very soil savvy. Um, but, you know, there are people that are newbies. And if somebody wanted to just understand what compost is and understand about it, do you, what, do you have a recommended resource for learning about compost? No, <laughs> I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, man, uh, that's tough. It, it kind of depends on what type of composting you want to do, too, whether it's thermal or static or worm or some combination of the three. Um, yeah, I mean, it's such a complicated topic. I mean, even topic. a book that explains that. I, I mean, that's so, so in full disclosure, that. I had to take a semester of composting in college. Um, and there was a book I had that went through all the different kinds of composting. I mean, I'm sorry, it was not one of my favorite classes. I ha I needed one elective, and I like that was the elective I got. Um, it was interesting because I did discover a new species of uh, insect in my compost pile. That made it exciting for me. Oh, wow. um, but um, but yeah, because I mean. It, it, I, I do think, um, and I think we're all guilty of this sometimes, we're in conversations and people are talking about a subject we may know some about, but we just sit there and nod and shake our head, going along with we understand what they're saying um, because they're embarrassed to say, hey, I don't know about this. And I think some people still um, want some of that background basic information about soils and compost. And again, just you're talking about the different types of composting, you know, People probably don't know there are multiple types of composting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're working on a, a, some course materials to put together something for people um, that, that may eventually. And, and there are there's books out there for sure. I just none popped to mind right off the top of my head. I've read a lot of chapters and books that are quite good on compost, and there's a lot of good information online already. I just don't have a ready resource. It's been a long time since I've done a lot of reading around compost, but. I am working on um, putting together a botany course with uh, Don Marshall for people who, uh, you know, like myself that didn't go to school for this, but um, I actually went back to school just to take his botany course. Um, but I want to put together an online course where people like myself could learn, you know, basic botany uh, without having to go back to school, you know, go back to college and, and, and take all those classes where it can be broken down into a more um, hands-on practical online course that people could take in you know chunks as as they see fit so we're working on that right now together and i'm really excited for that and then also a cultivation course too hopefully down the road um, that's also the same sort of thing like easy tidbits of good information all science-based um, in sort of an online format so hopefully we would have a section on compost i think it's important um, but just my big highlights on compost uh, it's not all created equal um, it really is important if you're talking about making an organic soil mix to, as your, to incorporate that as your base to really know what you're adding because that's going to affect your pH. It's going to affect the microbial communities of that mix. It's going to um, it, it's going to affect the nutrient load and content. Um, it just it, it plays such an important role. And you know when I go to the grocery store and I see these like six dollar bags of compost. And I look at the ingredients or I even just work backward on the price. I'm like, okay, well, the grocery store wouldn't have paid more than like three or four dollars for that. So that means the company that made it is if they're getting four bucks a bag, they have to be making a profit on it. You know, how much did the bag cost and how much did the transportation cost? By the time you get down it, that material had to have been free or like pretty worthless. Like you're, what you're getting is not high quality. And uh, frankly, I, I wouldn't use any of that stuff in my garden. But um, 
yeah, it's just, it's just another way of looking at it. Like people think all compost is good and it's, it, it varies. It, it varies quite a bit. So. Yes. Yeah, source material. Um, because I live in the land of mushroom compost. So it's, it's, yeah, it's very different than other compost for sure. Um, out there, but that's exciting about the, the, the botany class, but botany was, it, that was a tough one in college for me. Horticulture zips through that, but botany, yeah, all the, the Latin and anatomy of all the plants and flowers. So I'd probably be interested in going back and take a refresher on that. Cause I took botany in 1989. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I know, which probably weren't even born yet, Tad, were you? I was born in 77. I'm, I'm turning 45 oh, okay. next week. Just put okay. that out for folks. Um, yeah, well, you know, also as a resource in that regard, uh, Jeff Lowenfeld's books, like Teeming with Nutrients, is a good sort of like basic botany book um, to give people an idea of how plant cells work and everything like that. So I'll, I'll shout that one out to Jeff. Um, and he's got a new book coming out, Teeming with Bacteria which I, um, I'm going to be interviewing him soon on, on that topic. So I'm looking forward to that too. So. Well, that sounds, that sounds exciting. Looking forward uh, to hearing those too. So, um, so again, back, back to the company and you. Um, wh- what does the future hold? Do you guys have any big visions of projects coming up? You know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Ooh, good question. This is something... So we have a really good team right now. Um, it really feels like a family. We all work together really well. Um, very grateful for, for who we have. And I, I really think um, everyone's in it for the long term. And, you know, we talk about this and none of us really have the ambition to be like take over the world. Like we're not looking to be a huge company because the thing that we're most passionate about is working with growers and customer service. And right now we have a very good handle on that. Um, I can confidently say that, you know, everyone's going to get a reply um, and a very good technical reply to their questions. And I think as people get too big, too fast, you lose that. Or even with a large corporation, you lose that. So I think, uh, you know, we just want to stay relevant and continue to do what we do on the scale that we're at, um, which requires innovation. You know, you can't you can't expect to just keep doing the same thing. And, and maintain your, your revenue and your, your leads, things come and go. And so we, we've tried to innovate a little bit, you know, like we just added the beneficial insects from BioBee um, through your, your advice. And I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we're always looking for new products that fit with sort of our ethos and um, that we, that, you know, we would be willing to use in our garden. And so that's, I think that's where we're at. Um, we're potentially looking at expanding to an east, uh, um, sorry, an east coast um, soil dist- distributor that could mix our soil out there. But that's going to be that's a longer process. Um, like I said, formulating a soil takes a year or two. You can't uh, you can't rush that process if you want to do it right. Um, it's a lot of testing, a lot of plant trials, and I want to make sure that if we do put something out, um, it's of the same quality of what we're putting out right now. Well, that sounds great. Yeah, I, you know, being the biggest is not always the best. I think customer service and working with growers is, I love working with growers just directly. I, I'm right there with you on that. So, so Tad, if you didn't do soils and you could have any job on the planet, what would be your backup career? Oh, boy. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> very sometimes I just wish I had a job where uh, I didn't have to be in charge where I could just like go to work yes. do like a very like discreet activity for eight hours and then go home and just you know put it on a shelf and not have to think about it and then go back to work the next day uh, as a business owner you never stop working um, it, 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 it never your brain never gets to shut off and it's it's challenging sometimes um, you know, if I probably did anything again, it'd probably be back into special education just because I really enjoyed working with children. And now that I have a daughter of my own, I, I really like watching her grow. And, um, that I think the education teaching thing is just, it's really fun. It's, uh, 
it's it's very exhausting in a very different way, but um, it's so rewarding. So I I truly enjoy it. You know, my mom was a special ed teacher for oh. many years. Probably didn't know that. Yeah, my sister was was a teacher too until recently. Um, so yes, I I watched my mom go through the 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 joys of what she was able to do, but also it's a very mentally challenging uh, profession to be in. Um, and it, it can be very hard, but, um, well, I'm happy you're on the soil side of things so that we can be friends and hang out and talk about bug stuff. Um, so I'm grateful to have you in the industry. So, but with that, um, if you had, um, some advice to give people about the industry, um, what, what would you say to them? Yeah. So I thought about this as I was like, okay, what questions might she ask me? And I thought about like, what from, from all the years of doing the podcast and everything I've been doing, like, what are the pieces of advice that I think it would be most helpful for growers? So I wrote down a few things. Um, so I'll just share that here if that works. Um, the number one thing that I learned, um, and this was probably from Don Marshall was figure out what your limiting factor of growth is. Always start there. You're a detective when you walk into a when you walk into a, a grow room or into a greenhouse or whatever that scenario. And you know, it may be soil, it may be your watering, it may be your light, it may be your environment, but you really have to figure that out first. It's kind of like your, your big push on, you need to identify that bug before you do anything. Um, it's the same sort of mentality. Like you gotta, you've really gotta be a detective and figure that out first. And I think if people can start thinking like that, um, it goes a long way to making like good decisions in your garden and really just paying attention. You know, some people really have an eye for it. I have to really stop myself and slow down and take a look around. Whereas I have other growers that I work with that like they can walk into a room and instantly spot it. I just don't have that skill. I really have to like pause myself. So that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Um, some other things that I thought about is like, try not to fall for marketing hype. You know, I see, these feeding schedules and organics that require people to use like multiple products. And these are like popular companies with popular products and people are all excited about it. But at the end of the day, like to me, that's no better than feeding a bottled nutrient line. And you're just, you're throwing away money. You don't need all these products with these enzymes and ferments and teas and all of these things. At the end of the day, like if that's, it's all about that limiting factor of growth and it's probably not these things. And so if you do get a response from whatever you're adding, then you need to go back and figure out why and figure out what it is that you're, that's lacking in your garden. And at the end of the day, it's not a, it's not a product. It's a mineral. It's uh, something with your watering. It's, it's something else. Um, some other things is like, you know, read the labels, like know what's going on with the product and realize that when you read a label, you're not getting all the information. You're, you're probably not even getting half the information that you need on that product. Um, and that's why it's important to do your own sort of testing. Um, don't trust manufacturers on things that, you know, could ruin your livelihood, like heavy metals, for example. I've seen, I've seen heavy metal tests on reports that people have put out on social media on their products. And then I've had growers send me heavy metal tests on that same product that were vastly different. And they, they send it to me because they're like, hey, we, were, we failed for heavy metals and so we tested everything and this thing was nowhere near what we thought it was. And it's really, really sad because they lose, they lose their crop on it. And so I think as a grower, like you, you, you have to do your due diligence. Um, you know, don't, don't trust anyone when it comes to something that could ruin your livelihood. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, soil tests. So I'm a big fan of soil testing. I think it's very important but I don't think that it tells the whole picture. So I, I don't like to rely on strictly on calculators. I think they're interesting and they can point you in the right direction, but I still think you need to talk to an actual agronomist or a person who understands a soil test and can put that into a context that makes sense within the grow itself. Because um, just looking at the mineral balancing of a soil does not tell the whole picture. You need to look at the environment, the watering, all these other things that I mentioned before. Um, it's a complex, ecosystem. And so this just gives you another tool, but it's not the full picture. Um, especially if you're a commercial grower, I think, 
um, you need to do more than just a soil test. You need to have someone looking at the soil test in relation to your plant health, in relation to your bug pressure, in relation to your environment and lighting and CO2 levels, and then make a fertility recommendation around all of those things. Um, so it is complex. Uh, and then the last thing would be don't fall for simplistic models of thinking. Um, there are so many different camps right now, just on the organic side, like not even talking about people who are using salts, but like on the organic side, there's, you know, regenerative guys, there's KNF guys, there's soil food web guys, there's, oh boy, I could go biodynamics. You know, there's, there's this huge list. There's people who are using the, you know, so-and-so's grow method. It's everywhere. And some of them, you know, they're fine and, and you can grow plants, but I just want to caution folks that there, you know, if someone, it's never just microbes or enzymes or fermentations or nutrient lines or lighting brands. None of those things are keys to a good grow. The, the key to a good grow is getting all of these things correct within the context of, you know, the, all the variables. So when people say, you know, you just need the right, these microbes, um, that's not the whole picture that they're not, they're not taking into account your temperature, humidity, your, you know, your lighting, all of these other things. So I, I would just say at the end of the day, like, just be careful. And it's unfortunate that I think that all of these camps, they almost feel a little cultish to a certain extent where like, if you're growing in a different method, it's wrong. And it just, at the end of the day, especially on the organic side, man, I feel like we should all be on the same side. Like we're all trying to do right by the environment. We're all trying to grow safe cannabis, uh, healthy medicine. And it's, it's crazy how much infighting that we have going on um, because everyone wants to be an expert. And you and I, we talk about this a fair bit off air. It, it, it's, it's really unfortunate. So those would be the pieces of advice that I've learned over the last... I don't know how many years of doing this, I think. Well, I think that's super helpful information because, again, I think all of us are, like you said, are heading for the same goal. And, um, you know, it, it, it's challenging um, when you feel like everybody's not moving together. It's, it's, it's for some reason people have to go against each other. And, and that's something I appreciate about you because you are a, a very calm reasoning voice for me when I'm having some challenges. I, I will call you my, you know, industry therapist <laughs> to help me get through things. Um, and, you know, you've been, a, again, not only, you know, super great for the industry, but as a personal friend, I, I've really enjoyed being friends with you and learning from you and looking forward um, to being friends for many more years and um, hopefully working together in the industry and, you know, again, move all in the same direction so we can take care of this planet and um, leave uh, behind a great place for your daughter. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I feel very lucky to have this, this opportunity with the podcast and with the, with the business to do what we do. Like 99% of the people we work with are awesome, but there is that 1% that sometimes just uh, makes you just throw your hands up and wonder why you're doing what you're doing. But I think that's any any industry. Um, hey, are we allowed to talk about your new poster that's coming out? Is that something we can I can mention, or do I need? Sure. To, um, I'm no, pretty we can excited. throw that in speaking, here. I'm to... So yeah, speaking of things post. that I'm excited about uh, in terms of collaboration with you is this poster that you're working on. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on it and to be able to get it out to growers through Catchmasters. Um, I've been talking to them. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, sure. Um, you, you know, I, I tend to keep my business to just my business and don't do, you know, cross-marketing or branding. But um, Catchmaster people are just such nice guys. Uh, they really are. I really enjoy them. And they wanted to do a collaboration of making um, the first poster we're doing is for what insects look like on sticky cards. And are they a pest? Are they a beneficial or is it something you don't have to worry about? Because looking at pests or insects, well, pest beneficials on leaves sometimes can look a little different on sticky cards because they can change colors and reflections. And so it will be a poster growers can hang up at their facilities to help them with identification. So I'm super excited for that too. Awesome. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I know. You've been it, on me for years about it. Is so. it almost ready? 
Um, I have to check back with them because I'm not doing any of the graphic design. I provided them all the information. Um, I think the idea is to um, have it at the MJ BizCon in Las Vegas this fall. Oh, great. Well, I, I think I'm going to be in the BIOS booth, so maybe we'll see you there. Hopefully, I'll see. I'm planning on being there, so we'll definitely um, have to see you there and ride in the Tesla loop which was super cool when I was out there last time. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good show this year again. Well, you're the host. Is there any, <laughs> any oh, other questions? Or? Right, I forgot. Well, um, no, I think that, you know, that answers um, a lot of the key questions I have. And I think, you know, again, people that listen to you interview other people are, are curious about you and, you know, gives them a little more insight. Um you know, about you, a little bit about your personal life, where you came from, where you're going. Um, and I, again, I can't say it enough. I'm, I'm very grateful for your friendship and looking forward to learning more from you in the future. You know, here's to another, another hundred podcasts. Well, thanks, Suzanne. I appreciate it. You've been too kind and way too complimentary. Um, I'm glad you got a taste of what hosting is like. And I promise we'll get back to our regular scheduled um, podcast. I've already recorded two with some awesome uh, university professors that I will be releasing for 101 and 102. And then uh, I don't know what's up next, but I'm excited for it. Well, I guess since I'm supposed to close this out, thank you again, Tad Hussey from Kiss Organics for attending the podcast today and answering questions for us and looking forward to talking to you in the future. All right. Thanks, Suzanne. That was my friend and colleague, Suzanne Wainwright-Evans of Bug Lady Consulting, interviewing me, and you are listening to the Cannabis Cultivation and Science Podcast. If you like the podcast, please leave us a rating and review and give us a follow on Instagram. You can also sign up for our newsletter on our website homepage to stay up to date on the latest information and research. Thanks for listening.